Hello everyone and welcome to episode 312 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Seals helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Flum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Uh, thank you Jeffrey and uh, welcome back to all our listeners. Yes, a, a huge show today Alois. We got another of course one. Yeah, another one. It's a huge show every week. We got jokes we got uh, on this week. Always a fantastic segment, but we've got some great tournaments that have happened and some great tournaments coming up, and plus we're going to answer uh, a lot of interesting questions. Okay, I'm looking forward to it, Jeffrey. But first up, Alois. Yep. I googled how to start a wildfire. Yeah. Yeah, i got 48,500 matches. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh, mm. Moving on. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what happened? Sort of, this? <laughs> sort of funny. Yeah. Sort of funny. Sort of funny. Yeah, I know. And you, you don't really get matches. You get results. So it's kind. Of, yeah. Anyway, um, not to spoil the joke or anything. But what happened on this week, Alois? Ah, uh, well, uh, coming up. Oh no, sorry, not coming up. Two days ago was Patrick Franziska's birthday. So Patrick. Um, a regular member of the uh, German uh, national men's team. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, so he's had um, he had a really, really strong under-21 uh, career um, where he, uh, yeah, he won quite a few under-21 events. And then in the, in the seniors, he's uh, sort of had some reasonable results. He's... Um, he recently made the semi-final of the German Open, the World Tour German Open in Bremen, um, and you know he's made a round a quarter-final the Hungarian Open. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's sort of been one of those guys that's been thereabouts, runner-up in uh, Korea last year. Yeah, so I mean, but a valuable member of the German uh, national team over over several years. So he um, he. Has played. Let me just have a look. Six world championships. Wow. So, yeah, played first world championships in 2013 in Paris, um, and played the last world teams championships in Sweden as well. So, uh, yeah, so he's been been there and uh, done a lot with that uh, very strong German team. You know, backing up uh, Bol, uh, the great man, and Ovcharov. Yeah, so currently ranked twenty five in the world, Alois. It's, uh, it's that's really impressive, isn't it? Um, to be it that is. good. Um, yep. but I'm sure he'd be striving just to get you know into that top ten. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So this um, so this year he's at a sixty six percent win loss rate with uh, uh, twenty seven wins and fourteen losses um, in twenty eighteen, and overall lifetime win loss is sixty nine percent. So uh, so he's yeah, just below his average this year. There you go. And he became famous on, uh, well, famous on YouTube uh, through a video of his alloys. Yeah, that's right. He uh, he did the serve into the shoe, uh, Jeff. And, uh, yeah, an interesting one where he gets the ball to curve right around and jump into his shoe. So, uh, And we uh, we did do a video on that, I think, Jeffrey. So uh, I'm not sure who. Did you do it or did I do it? I think you did it. Oh, okay. Then it must be right. <laughs> Um, so, you be, so you better get along and have a look at that one too. So we'll put a link on the show notes in, in that case. Indeed. All right. Happy 26th birthday to Patrick Franziska. Indeed. Awesome. 
Now, Alois, in big table tennis news, there was the Japan Open. Yeah, certainly was, and um, you know, oh, what, what, I mean, what do you say? What do you say about the Japan Open? Um, so the the story was definitely Harry Moto. Um, so Harry Moto winning the men's singles, and along the way, just taking a few scalps of Ma Long and Zhang Zike. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just leaves me um, a little bit lost for words as to as to what to say about this guy. Um, he, I mean, if you, if you watch if you watch the quality of his play, um, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand how a fourteen year old be that good. I mean, we we're sort of getting swept up in the whole you know story of it, but. If you just think about, you know, yourself at 14 years old or you think about um, a kid down at the club at 14 years old and you think and then you think about Harry Moto, I mean, it's just I don't I. Yeah. As I say, it just leaves me a bit speechless. Um, his, <laughs> his backhand down the line or his counter topspin or his I don't know what you want to call it, but his his backhand that he plays down the line when Ma Long's you know, looping at him or Zhang Zikers looping at him is just incredible. It just doesn't look like it's ever going to miss. It's just so efficient, so um, simple, just straight over the top of the ball. Uh, and he made he made Ma Long look silly in, um, in uh, <laughs> at the first couple of games when he's just ripping that backhand down the line. Ma Long wasn't even getting to half of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I say, just... Just wow. I mean, this guy, who knows? I mean, 14 years old, you know, now certainly the dream of a gold medal in Tokyo 2020 is well and truly alive for him. Um, You know, previously I think he would have been sort of thinking, well, you know, maybe I I hope I can do it. Now he he, he almost becomes (laughs) favourite. I, yeah, I think making him favourite from one uh, victory is is a bit a bit of pressure on the kid. But but he did. But, he played so well, and and like it's not like Ma Long and Zhang Zikou played poorly. Like it was really high quality table tennis. Yeah, absolutely. And don't, and then I mean this this guy's going to get another two years under his belt. You know, he's fourteen. He'll be he'll be. He'll be 16. <laughs> Is there a the, plateau on how much you can improve, though? Like, has he already I mean, reached his peak? Who knows? I mean, I would have said that at 12 as well, you know, like when he was, you know, just beating beating some guys in some um, world tour events and, and making semifinals of, of the men's singles. You think, yeah. wow, this guy's really come up quickly. Um, yeah. And in the last two years, he's just come up, you know, just as quickly, if not if not faster, um, in two years' time. I mean, Zhang Zikou is not going to be as good as he is now. Um, Ma Long is going to be strong. You know, then some of the young Chinese guys, Lin Gaoyuan, etc., um, will be will be really strong, obviously, mm. um, and they will be doing um, a bucket load of homework on this boy now. Um, they will be analysing him. Down to his down to his breakfast. So <laughs> um, yes, they'll be looking for the chink in his armor, won't they? And and certainly, I mean, there, there there certainly are still some holes in his game. You know, I mean, his forehand 
area is is weaker. You know, his that short ball on the forehand doesn't look fantastic sometimes. It's a little bit awkward. Yeah, you know, but he doesn't need it because he he runs around and plays a backhand for a winner from his yeah. forehand side. Yeah, that's what he does. But yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? Just I mean, just who knows? Two years time. Um, I, I'm putting, I'm putting, I'm, I'm putting him as favourite, mate. I'm, I, I, <laughs> after after seeing that, you know, before the Japan Open, I wouldn't have believed he could have um, won it, you know. But in that in that fashion as well, yeah. Um, the uh, to to beat Ma Long, um, he only squeaked past Zhang Zikou in the final, 13-11 in the in the seventh. Saved the match point in the seventh. Yeah, and saved a match point. So, you know, I mean, the, these Chinese guys aren't going to lay down. Um, they're going to keep keep him uh, keep him at bay. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's certainly he's certainly one of the contenders, right? Yes. But then also, I wonder, Alois, is this going to inspire other players to start um, beating the Chinese? You know, like when uh, Bannister first broke the four minute mile, no one thought it was possible, and then all of a sudden. As soon as he broke it, everyone started breaking it. Is it like we? No one can beat the Chinese now. Harry Moto's beaten two of them in one tournament. Are other people going to start going? Hey, maybe we can as well. Yeah, I I think there's a little bit of that, but there's still the the actual yeah physical ability to to match it with them. Um, and sure, and certainly the Chinese confidence will be a little bit lower as well. You know, I mean, previously they just almost knew that one of them was going to win the tournament. You know, now, you know, that confidence is a little bit lower. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe it does open the door slightly. You know, maybe one of the other Japanese guys um, can come through. Yeah. Now, I was surprised that they keep sending Zhang Ke because based on his past results and stuff, I wouldn't have thought he's, like, in their future for, you know, like the next world championship. So... I'm surprised they're not sending uh, like a younger player in in place of him. But then he comes through and makes the final. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think it was a matter of one or the other. Um, you know, so I think um, they could have sent the young guys as well. You know, the young guys played uh, the China Open, so maybe they're just giving them a break before the Australian Open. Um, hopefully, they'll uh, turn up at the Australian Open. So um, yeah, with the Australian Open being a platinum event, um, mm. they'll. Um, focusing on that. So this wasn't a platinum event. Um, that's probably why. And Marlong would have wanted to play because um, he's he's just chasing uh, that number one world ranking again. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, I, I see, I mean, they probably just wanted to send Sengzika as a backup yeah. for Marlong. Yeah, so and then um, other interesting news. Timo Bowl looked uh, like he was going along well, but then had to forfeit against Zhang Zikou. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was disappointing. That was going to be a, a an interesting uh, match of the oldies, you know, Zhang Zikou and <laughs> Timo semis. But uh, yeah, Zhang Zikou got a walk over there. Timo Bowl had an injury. I think it was neck injury. Um, so uh, so he got through. Uh, Lee Sang Su as well. You know, let's not forget him making the making the semis and losing to Harimoto four two in the in the semi final as well. Yep. Um, so yes, lots of lots of interesting um, interesting matches there. And and you know, boy, isn't isn't it interesting? I mean, I guess it's interesting because the Chinese didn't win, but there were a lot of good uh, close results. You know, Zhang Jiqiu beat. Uh, Jin Yuida for three as well um, mm. in the um, in the quarterfinal. 
uh, after being down three one. So uh, so that was that was interesting. Um, then uh, Kazuhiro Yashimura uh, lost to uh, Jin Ueda four three as well. Uh, yeah, and then you know Bowl just making it through, beating Kenta uh, in the quarterfinal. Um, yeah, there's lots and lots of interesting uh, table tennis, but it it just seems to me that this has has livened up uh, world table tennis. Mm. Uh, this this result here definitely. I mean, and just 14 years old, like you said, Alois, it's incredible how how he can do that at 14 yeah. years old. And 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 then let's not forget the women's singles, Jeff. Yes, like, I know it's kind of been overshadowed, but it shouldn't be. It completely overshadowed, but Mima Ito wins the <laughs> wins the women's singles, um, and along the way has beaten the two young Chinese players that I picked to be, you know, probably the the top two at uh, at Tokyo twenty twenty. Uh, Wang Wen Yu, my favourite, and Chen Xin Tong. Um, so in the semi final, Mima Ito was down three nil and nine four. <laughs> <laughs> and got up, won that game 11-9, and then went on to win the next three games and beat Chen Xintong um, 4-3. Um, Wang Man Yu got over the top of Liu Shi Wen in the semifinal. That, mm. for me, is a significant result as well. So Wang Man Yu in the last two tournaments has beaten Ding Ning and Liu Shi Wen. Um, so for me, you know, she is really um, coming out of the pack. Um, and she for me, is the one to, to beat. Mima Ito, obviously, you know, I mean, she's, she's won this tournament, but she's been, I suppose, a little bit inconsistent over the last year or two. But yeah. again, you know, she she was in Harimoto's position, you know, as a 14-year-old coming through and, and being so fantastic and maybe has plateaued a little bit, you know, results going up and down a little bit. Um, maybe by 2020 with um, the home crowd in Tokyo, uh, let's see what Mima Ito can do. You know, wow, could it be a Japanese double? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good. Good to see them, uh, yeah, getting reward for all their effort. Uh, Mima Ito, like you said, a bit inconsistent, but, yeah, maybe maybe now this will boost her on to being, you know, constantly challenging the Chinese. Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's just uh, It's just hard to tell with Mima Ito, but, um, I mean, certainly to be able to beat Chen Tong and Wang Man Yu at this event is, is huge. So, uh, so hopefully she does move forward now. All right. All right. Now, um, so yeah, fantastic. As you said, the J- Japan open alloys, but coming up the Australian open, this is again, just a super exciting tournament for Australia. Platinum event means we're going to get some of the world's best players, and um, yeah, we're super excited here in Down Under. Yes, yeah, certainly are, and uh, yeah, entries uh, are coming through, so it already looks like it's a pretty pretty strong field um, with um, uh, Obtarov, Francisca um, entered from uh, from Germany. Um, yeah, I'm just having a look down the list there. Uh, the Chinese Taipei team entered. So um, yeah, some some good good players already entered um, in there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, wa- from 26th to the 29th of July in Geelong, Australia, which is just an hour from Melbourne. 
Um, so if you're interested, grab some tickets. You can get them on the Ping Skills website. Go to pingskills.com, just on the front page there. And if you buy them off the Ping Skills website, we get a small commission, so that would be handy. Um, but, oh, yes. Yeah. All right, get get on there. Get, yeah, support us. <laughs> yeah, and watch some fantastic table tennis. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, and you know, watching, watching the best is really important for your development too. Yes, indeed, indeed. All right, Alois. Well, that's um, some exciting tournament news. Let's move on to the tip and drill of the week. What have you got for us? Yeah, so last week uh, it was all about finding a new serve and uh, and then practicing it over the week. So hopefully you had a chance to do do that. Um, you know, maybe you invented something new. If you have, let us know, um, and hopefully you've then been able to practice it a bit and utilize it in a match situation. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, um, my focus has been on um, movement and uh, and it was brought on by watching um, Harry Moto playing Ma Long. And it was really interesting to, to, uh, to see their actual movement in a match. You know, like we often talk about footwork movement and um, how to step and this and that. What I want you to do this week is to go and watch um, either Harimoto and Ma Long or Harimoto and Zhang Ke, and I want you to cover up the top of the screen with a piece of paper and just watch the person's legs at the near end of the of the uh, table. Uh, what you will see um, is that they will move into position into this really wide stance position, and then Basically, their legs won't move in or out at all. They'll just bounce in that position until the end of the rally most of the time. So they'll bounce and bounce just using their feet and their um, calves and their, their lower legs and, and, all, and obviously springing through from the, from the upper legs, the quads. And there's just this constant bouncing movement um, from the start to the finish of the rally. The only time that doesn't, that is broken is when the ball is short on the forehand side and they will step in with their right hand if they're a right-hander. So they'll step in, then they'll step step back into that uh, wide stance and bounce around the court um, in that position. It's like they've got a, a metal rod between their knees and they're just bouncing with that metal rod. So I want you to really take a look at that this week um, and then I want you to start to just practice doing that movement um, in your training session. So, you know, you can do it um, just with some footwork drills um, or you can, um, you know, just do some random um, play and just try to maintain that constant bouncing motion. Great, great tip, Alois. And I I like the idea of, yeah, putting the uh, paper across the top half so that you're not distracted by, by the shots they're making. You can just watch the legs. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I, I I do it often, and um, it is amazing how much clearer it becomes. Like even though you might think that you're watching the the bottom half, it you've still got the top half being dis- or distracting you, and you know you're watching the ball and seeing where it's going and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, if you just cover cover the top of the screen with a piece of paper um, and uh, and watch it, it uh, it's amazing how much clearer that movement becomes to you. Excellent. All right. And, uh, of course, we'll have a link in the show notes to one of those matches, maybe the final, maybe uh, 
uh, Harry Moda versus Zhang Zikou. So yeah, take a look at that. Cover up the top half and check out their full work. Awesome. And then yeah, as Alice said, start implementing it in your own practice sessions. All right. Great tip and drill of the week, Alloys. Thank you. All right, time for some questions. And first up is one from Mukesh. And he says, please tell me how to pe- how to beat. Please tell me how to beat blocking players. Okay. Um, blocking, blocking players. So they're players that basically, um, they don't attack too much with topspin. Um, they're just blocking the ball around, utilizing your speed most of the time. So the key here is lots of variation and not to give them too much speed. The, the faster you hit the ball at them, the more speed they have to work with. So think about just slowing the topspin up a little bit, uh, varying the position on the table, and also varying the depth on the table. So the the ball that the blocker doesn't like is, is the shorter topspin ball that they've got to move in for. They often uh, will tend to reach forward and, and block that ball off the end of the table. So, so lots of variation. Not too much speed all the time, you know, so sometimes slow, sometimes fast, start to throw them off balance a bit. But um, we do have a um, video in our Playing Against series on how to play a blocker. So we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. So um, so Mukesh, um, they can be annoying, those blockers, to play, but um, it, with, um, with some good strategy, uh, you will be able to overcome them. Excellent. All right. Great question, Mukesh. And yeah, variation is the key. All right. Next up is a question from one of our favorites, Chandra Chur, who says, I know about third ball attacking in table tennis and have been recently working on developing it further so I can surely start the attack whenever I have the chance to serve. So for a short ball, I've been practicing the backhand sidespin flick and for the long balls, developing my forehand and backhand topspin attacks. But there is yet another type of ball which always throws me off guard. The ball where it drops near the center and along. But by the time they reach the end of the table, they're not even close to the peak of their bounce. Also, they have a slight amount of backspin on them. So how yeah. should Chandra Chur deal with this type of uh, ball, Alloys? Yeah, so Chandra Chur, you're talking here about just the half long ball. So the ball that bounces, you know, maybe mid-table, but the second bounce is just dropping off the end of the table. Yeah, Can and, this... and already on the way down. Like, it's it's not at the peak of its bounce. Yeah, that's right. And it's difficult to um, to get uh, to get that ball at any height. So for me, the best way is to just let that ball drop off the end of the table and then utilise good topspin so not necessarily fast because because the ball is so low you can really spin the ball up more so the ball's coming down lift it up with a lot of topspin but now the key is your placement and also the speed of the ball as i said don't try and hit the ball too hard just think about spinning that ball heavily and getting it into an awkward position on the table you can try and keep that ball low over the net as well so um, so that they don't have a lot of um, height to play with off your topspin too. So, so yeah, it, it's a really awkward ball. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is making sure you get your legs into position to play that ball. So if you're standing up straight, that ball is just – it's basically impossible to play well. 
you really have to get down low because the ball has already dropped so low. You need to get your legs really low, bend your knees, um, and get down as low as you can so that you're in a good position to lift that ball up with some good top spin. Yeah, and I think even before you even get to that point, Alois, uh, sometimes people have difficulty judging whether the ball is going to bounce twice or is going to come off the end of the table. So that can be another problem. Yeah. I think I've just lost Alois. Hello. Hello, you're back. Yes, welcome. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, Alice, yeah, it's difficult um, to even judge whether the ball's coming off. Like, you might think it's coming long and then it bounces twice and you've already lost the point. Or yeah. sometimes you might be able to attack it, but you think it's going to bounce twice, so you end up pushing it. I guess that just comes with experience and watching yeah. the ball closely. Yeah, I, th- I think um, th- this is it's, a, it's an important area to practice. I find... Um, multi-ball can be good to start off with. So get someone to just feed some balls out to you. You know, some that are short, some that are long, just so you're starting to get the feel of the the length. But then you do need to do it in a rally situation. So when you're pushing, so just um, if both players are pushing and then you need to um, find that ball that comes along and make the top spin of it. Um, So there's a little game that we play uh, to help us with that where both players are pushing and as soon as, the first player can make a topspin on the table; they win a point. So um, that works. That works well. Just to just to start to really watch and try to 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 gauge that ball that is long. Yeah. All right. Excellent tips. Thanks for that question, Chandra Chur. All right. Next up is one from Dennis, who wants to know what serve should I learn first as a beginner? Yeah. So um, at the at the very basic level, you know, just making sure that you're um, learning the correct technique of serving or the, the rules of serving. But then you can move on to just some basic backspin serves, um, just trying to generate a little bit of backspin. But then I think, and fairly quickly, you can start to think about um, a range of serves that we've got in our must-learn serves section of our site. So the tomahawk serve, I think, is is one that's simple to start with, and also the pendulum serve. They're probably the two... Um, serves that I would recommend you to start with because they're easy to generate some spin with, um, and uh, yeah, and you can you can learn how to uh, to serve quite quite effectively with uh, with those two serves. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. it's interesting, Alois, because um, if people have just been playing uh, just at home and have never looked at the actual rules, a lot of people just serve the ball straight out of their hand, and it's when you've been doing that for a while, it's not easy to throw the ball up and then and then hit the ball. That takes a little bit of practice for people. Yeah, it does. Just that just that really basic serve um, can can take a little bit of practice. And we've got um, some instruction there for you on how to do that um, on the side as well. Um, yeah, yeah and all right. If you've got that, you can progress um, to generating some good spin and getting that tomahawk serve going. Yeah. Just make sure you throw your bat like a tomahawk because you're opponent might end up with some injuries <laughs> yeah don't throw don't throw the no, bat don't throw don't do not throw the bat folks. so i'll put a link in the how in the show notes on the how to serve that's like the very basic serve so making sure you're getting throwing the ball up and following some of the other rules um i personally i think i found the tomahawk serve 
easier to learn. The the pendulum took me a little while because it it's in close to your body and it's harder to watch the ball. It just uh, to me it felt a little bit awkward. I don't know if that's just me or is that something a lot of people find. Yeah, I find yeah at the school level I think um, the tomahawk's probably easier. And and if you if you are shorter, like you know if you've got a, a kid that you're teaching or you're you, uh, kid yourself and a little bit shorter the tomahawk's probably easier to start off with um but yeah um yeah see which one feels more comfortable for you yeah yeah but obviously you know the, the pendulum is a really effective serve that's why most people serve the pendulum serve hello hello yeah um is that someone is that someone asking us about uh about the show <laughs> i think so someone's just ringing up to find out Hello. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You think that the pendulum serves better? Sure. I I agree. And and what <laughs> Jeff's awkward? Yeah. Yes, you're right. Okay. Yep. Th- thanks for calling. All right. Good to have some uh, some people inputting, uh, giving their input on the show. Exactly. There you go. Live. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on. Dimple asked a question. Alice. He says. When we are starting out a match, we toss the coin to see uh, who's going to serve, but you don't only have to choose that. You can choose the sides if you like. And he wants to know what's the benefit of choosing a side rather than choosing whether you serve or receive. Yeah, that's right. So um, when when, um, you do the toss... Hang on, hang on. (laughs) What? They're just ringing up to say I'm awkward again. I don't know. It must be. Must be. Um, when you when you when you do the when you do the toss, um, the, there's there's a couple of options for you. So you can choose to serve, or you can choose to receive, or you can choose which end um, that you want to to start the game from. So most of the time, players will choose either to serve or receive, but sometimes um, a player will choose the end. Not very often because in table tennis, it's pretty much a, a controlled environment. You know, it's an indoor sport. There's no wind or sun or anything like that. So usually that's not too much of a problem. But sometimes, every now and then, you know, there might be one end that you that you um, prefer. You know, there might be some background at one end that isn't as good as the other. You know, there might be the crowd at one end and, and a nice blank wall at the other that you can look into. So, um, yeah, so just... Um, just see, I mean, most of the time you will choose the serve or return, but, you know, if there is a particular um, a condition at one end of the table, maybe you want to choose the better end first or, yeah. But it does, yeah. as I say. Do you want to choose the better end first, though? Because if it gets to uh, the deciding game, then you switch ends at the yeah. at the final, uh, when you get to halfway through the set. So... Yeah. Do you want to be ahead at that point? So you choose to be playing the final set from the good end at the start, or do you want that at the end? So, yeah, that's a good question. It's a good question. I I tend to like um, I tend to choose the the worse um, first. Um, so uh, yeah, but some people might like to if you if you're playing someone that's maybe a bit better than you, maybe um, you know choosing the better end first, so you get a. Uh, get into the game, or you know, maybe even take a lead might be might be the way to go. But that's something that you can think about um, tactically and strategically of what you want to do. Have you ever chosen the end when you were uh, playing, Alice? Uh, no, 
Yeah, yeah. me either. It doesn't happen very often. Never ever. Yeah. No. But yeah. I did I, I did used to like to start from a particular end. Okay. So I, I would try I would try to get that end, you know, for the warm up and then yeah, but but not particularly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Great question again. Uh, love these questions. Um, thank you, everyone, who asked the question. You can always go to pingskills.com and ask your own question. Um, we love answering those questions. And, you know, if they're good, we'll put them on the show. So, yeah, get to pingskills.com and uh, take a look at that, plus all the other stuff that's there. Don't forget, you can get Australian Open tickets. It's going to be exciting also from pingskills.com. So, once again, thank you, everyone, and thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey, and uh, we'll see you again shortly. All right. Bye, everyone. Catch you shortly.